0: Hello and welcome to Developing the Leader Within podcast, an award-winning podcast where I interview the top players in the leadership arena and we dissect leadership, management, and career development from all angles. My name is Enrique Acosta-Gonzalez and I use my more than 20 years of experience in leadership development to dig deep into complex issues and bring you the answers you were looking for. If a topic resonates with you, and you would like to explore how to overcome it, reach out to me at Calendly.com backslash Triad Leadership Solutions to discuss ways to succeed. Welcome back, everybody. As we close out 2022 with this special episode, we are speaking with Dov Barron up north in Canada I know it's chilly. It's chilly down here in Florida, but not as much. Dov is the architect of emotional source code, control meaning, and you control the group. He is an author, a political consultant, a top 30 global leadership guru, Inc. Magazine top leadership speaker, and host of the number one Fortune 500 podcast. He helps guide businesses, teams, and leaders to harness their emotional source code to create tribes of belonging that generate innovation, authentic communication, and fierce loyalty. Dov, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Enrique. It's a pleasure and honor to be here. Look forward to serving you and your
0: audience. I appreciate that. Now, Dov, we were chatting before the session. Uh, This is a special episode. I always try to uh, bring someone uh, that I admire to the show to close it out. Uh, You have done great work. Uh, I've been following your work, have known and heard of your stories, both personal and professional. Uh, so I really am appreciative of you being with us uh, today. Now, folks, we are going to be speaking about the uh, leadership's emotional source code. There is one, and a lot of people are missing the boat on this one. Uh, but I love something that you just said. You know, if a person is not decent in, in, as, as a human, uh, they cannot be decent as a leader and i've seen a lot of leaders kind of downplay that and say they can and the results are atrocious right the results is what speaks but before we get to all of the code tell us a little bit about you uh, that you would like to share with the audience
1: um well just on the work that i do i work with high level um, individuals who range from Athletes, entertainers, as you said, political people, uh, icons, business leaders, etc. Privately, I work with those individuals. Um, these are people who tend to not need my help to be successful, although that's a byproduct. They become more successful. But they're looking for something else. They, they're they under a lot of pressure a lot of the time. Um, people want a piece of them all the time. And they want their time. There's a lot of demands on them. And they often get to a place where they're like, "Mm, what's next? And it's not the next, it's not buying Twitter or buying something big. You know, it's not another yacht or it's something else, something deeper. And that's where they find their emotional source code. And that's the work that I am uniquely qualified to do. I'm grateful for. Um, So I do that for individuals. I do that for companies, for organizations. And I've even done it for nations. I wrote one that you can, if you want to understand what an emotional source code is, I wrote one um, about Vladimir Putin that's on DovBaron.com. So, if you go to DovBaron.com, a little red pop up will come and you can fill it in. And you can get that. It'll tell, it explains to you what the emotional source code is. But by using Vladimir Putin as an example, because I was getting all this these questions like, what's driving this guy? Why is he doing this? It doesn't make sense. You know, it makes perfect sense in, in alignment with his emotional source code. So, that sort of tells you a quick overview of what I do a private level as i said i do that with companies and organizations and help them to build a culture of belonging based on that emotional source code one of our great challenges today and why we have so many problems with um the great uh, resignation with quiet quitting with people not being engaged at work is that they have been forced to fit in And if you know what it's like to fit in, you know how you've got to kind of hide a part of yourself. There's a need to disenfranchise yourself. As opposed to having a culture where people belong, they want a place where they feel emotionally bonded and connected. And that's the work we do at a corporate level and advise even uh, nationally on those kinds of things. So that's kind of the overview of the work that I do. Where I came from, that's a whole big story. (laughs) Separate.
0: And there's plenty of commentary on your podcast and 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 books that are will definitely guide people to that background. And I'm gonna make sure to have that link as part of the show notes so people can get. I, I'm interested in that Putin uh sure. schematic, right? Because Absolutely. There, there is a lot that goes into a leader deciding certain things. And and so For those that will not go all the way to the books, all the way to uh, Putin's uh, schematic, what is emotional source code for the layman?
1: Sure. Um, The simplest way to think of it is that there are five levels to your consciousness. Now, what that means is five levels to the way you think and what drives you. So very often if somebody will show up to see me or somebody else and they'll say, you know, this behavior I have, is kind of shitty. And I, I, I'm aware that it's causing problems and I'm aware that I need to change this behavior. Can you help me change the behavior? And the answer is always for me is yes. And not just for me, but for anybody who's good at that kind of work will say yes. Now the challenge it becomes, well, can you tell me to change it permanently? No. Oh, now Some people will lie to you and so say yes. But the answer is no. Well, why? Because you don't have behaviors on their own. What do you mean? Well, your behaviors are uh, enforced by your beliefs and your values and your unconscious lives. So if I ask you, if I sit down with you right now, Enrique, I'm sure, if I said to you, what are your values, you could name them off. The challenge is, are those your values? So they may be your conscious values but they're not actually what we call your maxims. So your maxims are much deeper than that. So your values are mostly societal. So people say, well, the highest value for me is family. Okay, what does that mean? Well, my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother, my kids. Okay. Is there another understanding of family? Because I tell you, if you say to me, is family on your list? The answer is yes, but it doesn't mean the thing that I just said. My family live all over the world. My family are brothers and sisters of different mothers and fathers. They're the people who I'm emotionally, spiritually connected to who we support each other in driving our lives forward to make a greater difference in the world. That's my family. And many of my family members, as in my blood family members, are not members of my family. Now, my, my to be clear, my version of family is not the right one. It's just that I've done the work to understand what it is for me as opposed to just saying, oh, family, right? So when we think about behaviors that we want to change, we have to look at, well, what are the values that are driving those behaviors? And then what are the beliefs that drive the paradigms that in which the values are built upon? Oh, so I have to deal with my values and my beliefs. Yes. Well, then can I change this behavior? Mm, no. <laughs> well, why are we talking about this, stuff? Well, because it's important for you to understand but there's something driving that. And they go, what's that? And they go, it's your identity. Oh, okay. Well, I'm a, and I said, well, tell me who you are. Oh, I'm a good person. I'm a leader. I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm a Muslim. I'm a Jew. I'm a, you know, I'm a Republican. I'm a Democrat. I'm an independent, you know, whatever it is. Right. Okay. That's not your identity. That's your false identity. What? Yeah. That's so that your identity is something that's completely unconscious. So for instance, you have a, 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 a shadow identity and you have an identity that you sell to the world. Now, so your identity that you sell to the world might be uh, something like, um, I'm a self-starter. I can do it myself, right? I, you know, I'm this lone wolf. That's actually not your identity. That's your identity that you work out of. So what happens is that, that, that shadow identity drives behavior. It drives the beliefs that drive the behavior and people will not do the things that are incongruent with their identity. So people say to me, okay, well, I think I understand that. I said, okay, let me ask you a simple question. I'll do this for you right now. What's the most important thing in life? If you boil it down to the very basics, what is it? You can tell me Enrique, what you think it might be. What do you, what do you think it might be?
0: I, I would say live in truth,
1: living truth. Okay. Living truth. Right. So if somebody had a knife to your neck and said, is it living truth or your life, what would you choose?
0: I would say truth.
1: Okay, good. Now, now somebody says, okay, um, I'm, I'm making this up and, and please forgive me because it may or may not be true. Um, you, you say truth and you say you're a Christian. Yes. Okay, good. Right. So, um, is that what truth is for you? And you say, yes. So I say, so you're willing to die for this. And you go, yeah. And I go, okay, good. Now we're clear. So you understand that your identity is more important than your life. Because people think life is more important, but people strap bombs to themselves every single day and blow themselves up. Their identity is more important than their life, right? How I am perceived in the world is more important. That identity drives the beliefs and the values that drive the behaviors. You can't undo the behaviors without looking at the beliefs, values, and, and identity. Okay, so that's now with three levels. Let's go to the level below that. There's a level below that? No, yes, wait, there's more, and you get a set of Ginsu knives, <laughs> Buy two, you get three. Um, So below that is what we call the anatomy of meaning. And below the anatomy of meaning is the emotional source code. So when you think about the emotional source code, think of it as your emotional DNA. You got it. You can't change it. It just is what it is. Okay. But your emotional source code is like the epigenetic response. Now, let me explain that for people who don't understand. Your genes, we used to think your genes are fixed. And if you, you know, you have this balding gene, you're going to go bald. And if you have this this heart problem, you're going to, you know, you're going to to have heart problems because your dad did. That's actually not true. What we know is that genes, genes adapt. We used to think the brain was fixed. It's not. It's plastic. Well, so are genes. Genes turn on and turn off based on the environment they're in. They sit in a membrane inside of a cell and that, Whatever chemicals are in there, neurochemicals, brain chemicals are in there, will decide whether the gene goes on or off. So it's the same with your emotional DNA. Your emotional source code is there, but whether it plays out, it depends on the environment. Now, the environment is your anatomy of meaning. So you built, unconsciously, we all did it, we built an anatomy of meaning to to survive the DNA, the emotional DNA, the emotional source code. So, for instance, if you look at me and you know me, you've seen me, you see that I've got a physique. I look like I might have been in a fight or two. Uh, if you read anything on me, you know I was a martial artist. I was a bodybuilder. Um, I was a boxer. I've been a free climber. I've done all these kinds of crazy, wacky things. That None of that matches who I am. That is all physicality that was built out of my, out of my anatomy of meaning because I grew up around violence and crime and addiction. I grew up around where it was not okay for me to be a spiritual, poetic artist, which is what I was as a child. And so I started to develop this hard armor. That was the first 30 years of my life. And I spent the next 30 years tearing that armor off to reveal, here's my soul. Here's who I am. So the emotional source code is like the DNA. The anatomy of meaning is the protection you build in order to survive the DNA and your environment. Out of that, you develop an identity which may have nothing to do with you. It's just a protection. Well, I'm a lone wolf. No, you're not. It's bullshit. You're not a lone wolf. You keep telling everybody you're a lone wolf, but like as soon as you're alone, you can't bear it. You can't bear it. You feel like you're going crazy. You're not a lone wolf. Nobody is. You're a human being. We are pack animals. We need tribes. And out of that, you've built the belief systems you need in order to hold that identity in place. You've set a set of of values in order to hold that identity in place. And that has given you your behaviors. Now, when you look at that at a corporate level, you now begin to see everybody in front of you very, very differently. You start to see your culture very, very differently. And what's more... Is every organization, not just individuals, every organization and every nation has its own emotional source code. So I did this for the United States. I did it for the UK. I've done it for countries. I've done it for individuals. You know, and it's it's fascinating because you get to see what drives a nation.
0: That that I tell you, I, I'm listening, and as you're going through each layer, each phase, and things like that. I'm like, no wonder, <laughs> no wonder we can't get nowhere in any speed or any constant speed. There are just so many things that contribute to us deciding a thing. And even when that decision is made, it could be at a layer. And then underneath that, it's another reason to decide. And uh, there's a lot of false identity. Right yes. there is but there's a lot of feeling of being lost there, there are a lot of people that i come across that do display a thing but not their thing
1: you very and, very well said enrique very well said
0: and 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 you know as a leadership developer you you're in that space you've worked with high level companies and organizations Um, You know, I saw the Navy on there, right? (laughs) The the symbol, you know, there's, there's so much, but when you say a nation, Mm -hmm. that makes my hair stand up. Cool. Because you think that uh, the people, the complement of that country are, are, it's what's driving it. Yeah. But there is a, I would I would say a geographical DNA. Yeah. There is. And mm, and I love that you that you've gone that far to to identify because sometimes we say, hey, you know, I don't like it here in this nation. I'm going to go to this one because they got these these programs or these benefits not knowing and realizing that you could be going into a place that's going to totally Reorganize you,
1: yeah, and that's very well said. And I think that's a good reason to move to another place because you should be reorganized. You should be rattled. I've, you know, like you, Enrique, I've lived in many different parts of the world, and and every time I've gone to live in parts of those world, I've had to question that identity. I've had to question those beliefs. I've had to question those value systems. It's made me look at that. For about six years, I employed a guy who worked for me here in Canada who um, was Indonesian. Now, I spent time in Indonesia. I love Indonesia. And, you know, I loved this kid. He was a great kid and, to work with. Um, and he loved working for us. He was, he, like I said, he was six years working for us. a long time. Um, but one day, I really, really pissed him off. Because I'd forgotten that I'd lived in Indonesia. So what did I do that pissed him off? that showed I'd forgotten, is we were doing a public workshop and he had done something that was really courageous. And I thank, I brought him up on stage and I thanked him and I had the audience applaud him and I gave him a hug and I pulled him into me and as I did, I rubbed the top of his head and said, I'm proud of you. He was f- getting furious, furious. Because culturally, you don't touch people's heads in Indonesia and actually most of Asia. You don't touch their heads. I was doing something incredibly loving in my value system that was incredibly insulting in his. So going to live in another culture, being part of other cultures, this is the problem with us being so tribal is we, you know, there's this terrible piece of advice, which is spend time with like-minded people. Please do not spend time with like-minded people that will just turn you into an ignorant bubblehead. Stop it. get out there and be with the people you disagree with. If you're a blue hat spend time with people with red hats. if you you know if you are uh, Jewish spend time with Christians if you're a Christian spend time with Muslims like you you know whatever it is. spend time with people who don't think like you but don't do it looking for where they're wrong looking for the, for what you don't know. then you will grow and you will broaden. And this is what we need to understand. So as you said, there is a geographical DNA in place. And the challenge with that is everybody's validating each other, right? Out of, out of some cognitive bias bullshit. And then you're all watching Fox TV and say, like, oh yeah, the country's going to crap because of those liberals. And you, then you're watching, um, you know, uh, MSNBC. Oh yeah, the country's going to crap because of those, those uh, Republicans. Come on. We know that that's not true, but if you keep feeding into that, you keep yourself in the bubble. So, is it okay if we go to the sort of to a more national understanding of this? Is that okay with you, Enrique?
0: Oh, yes, yes.
1: Okay, good. So, I don't know if you've heard me talk about this before because I know you follow my stuff, but if I ask people what is the uh, emotional source code of the United States, that's a big question because people don't know what it is, right? So, I say, okay. So let me explain it to you this way. If you had to pick one word, one word that defines America, what is it?
0: I would say (laughs) hardy.
1: Hardy? Okay. So you have to think, when you think about emotional source code, it's like your emotional DNA, meaning it's been there since the beginning. The emotional source code of the United States is freedom. So the word freedom right the thing that got people to march on january the 6th march on the Capitol. you can go well they were all crazy you can go oh well, they were all right it doesn't matter what you ask it doesn't matter what you judge them on if i'd have gone out there and said to them what's the number one thing you're fighting for american freedom freedom they're trying to take our freedom away that language is used as rhetoric On both sides right to control people so for instance if you I I was moved to do what I do at 10 years old I walked into the living room and I saw my mom crying and I said why are you crying and she wiped the tears away from her eyes pushing her glasses up and pointed at the tv and said he's dead I looked at the tv I didn't know who he was he wasn't a soccer player. He wasn't anybody off local TV. I didn't know who he was. So I listened and he said, I have a dream that one day I was, I was awestruck. And I began to immediately question, how can this black man on, you know, I'm a kid, on the other side of the world, this black Christian <laughs> man on the other side of the world, how can he make my poor white Jewish mother cry? I was fascinated by that. The level of depth that he had, the, the, the gravitas, the power. And I was intrigued by it, making a difference across all those miles, before the internet, well before the internet, right? And I remember thinking uh, how powerful that was. Martin Luther King's speech is known as the dream speech. You know how many times he mentions "I have a dream"? The word "dream." He mentions it eight times. You know how many times he mentions "freedom"? Twenty-two. Let freedom reign. Thank God Almighty. Let freedom reign. Freedom is what drives the humans. If he had come out and gone, "I have a dream," people were like, "Yeah, well, have a nap." But it was about freedom. So the United States, their emotional source code is. Freedom, now it has a support word, which is individuality, right? It has individuality. You put those two things together, you threaten individuality. So Bernie Sanders, I love the man and I tell you why I love him, not because I necessarily agree with everything he says, but his message has not changed in 20 odd years, 30 odd years. I love his consistency. I love his integrity today. It's not changed his mind. Okay, doesn't matter whether I agree with him, I can admire his integrity. But he came out, As a socialist Democrat, you're dead in the water, mate. If you look at the emotional source code of America, you are dead in the water because it's about individuality and freedom. And socialism does not suggest individuality. So you can't say that in America. It's swearing. Right. You know, there's words I can say as a Brit in Britain, there's words I can say in Australia as an Aussie that I can't say in North America, like see you next Tuesday. Work out what the initials are. Those words in the UK and in Australia are fun words. They're okay. It's a fun word. In North America, it's like, oh my God, you know, it's like I threw holy water at the devil. It's just you can't do that stuff. Okay, that's fine. I have to learn that. Just like rubbing an uh, an Asian's head. You can't use the word socialist in America because that is in the DNA, is freedom and individualism. So... This is how we start to understand what drives a nation, what drives people to do things that don't make sense. Because the the understanding of the emotional source code is why do people do what they do, even when what they do doesn't make sense? There are a bunch of people in America who vote every single time for a party that does not support them. And it's not like it's hidden. It's glaring. And I'm like, are you on crack? Like, what exactly are you smoking, right? So because this person used the right rhetoric that taps into the emotional source code and to the identity that drives all those other things. So once we understand that about our culture, now we've gone national. national, we bring that back and we go, okay, well, what about my culture? Well, what's my culture? Well, let's say it's Indiana, I'm making one up, or let's say it's Florida, or let's say it's, you know, wherever it might be. There's a, there's a there, so there are, there is a national DNA, there is a national emotional source code, but there's also a state one. And then there's your own your own culture, meaning, so let's say uh, Hispanics in, um, in uh, Florida, which may be broken up into different pockets. So whether you're Puerto Rican or whether you're Cuban or whatever you might be, right? So there's those as well. And each one of those has its own. So... Instead of going through all those things and trying to work all that out, I mean, it's fine if you're running a, uh, a campaign towards certain people, but for yourself, for yourself, you've got, if once you find the integrity of your own, then you lead from that place. Once I know my own emotional source code, I'm never going to bullshit you. I'm going to go, this is who I am. And you got to find out if that aligns with you or not. And if it does, you need to vote for me because I want to make a difference with people who believe this. And if you don't believe that, that's great. You should go vote for that other bloke. That's okay.
0: That's freedom. I I love I love that whole explanation, and you know I, I mentioned haughtiness. It's just a, a a thing that I see as a nation because there's just so many other nations that don't live by that practice. I've been to Asia. I see the humility. In a lot of what they do and and it comes with the territory right you know you, you if you're driving towards freedom and individuality that kind of gives you some uh unction right uh yeah. <laughs> to to speak a thing or two and so that's what uh that's why i said that word but as well, you can see how it ties in right it, your, your you word is see... absolutely
1: right right it, it's it's so it's part of the emotional source code Right. So there's nothing that you're absolutely right, because it's driving b- b- behavior. That's how we get to know what it is. So you're absolutely right.
0: Yeah, amazing. Uh, you know, you mentioned Indonesia and the practice on, the uh, you know, Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. I, I, if there's anything I can, you know, uh, one of the many things that I could laud the Navy for was the exposure to other nations, other countries, other customs and traditions that you learn not only by education, but by exposure, right? So we go yeah. to these places, we stay for a week or two and we're traveling, we're wandering and 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 we're getting educated and you come back to the States and see a lot of void in that education and experience. Uh, and then you find people in leadership finding trouble, right? You did mm-hmm. not mean at that moment to violate, custom and traditions at a particular place it was just an expression that was normal to you it was okay um and 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 for a split second you you know you disregarded what you knew and it's funny how you say he he was upset that you forgot what it was to be indonesian right Um, of course and and live in it um and we do it all the time if we're not careful as leaders you know, I was going to ask you what's what are we negating and, and as leaders when it comes to the source code, but there's a lot of knowledge that we're voided of, and we seldom really want to dive in that that far.
1: Well, it feels overwhelming. I mean, let's face it, it feels overwhelming for most people. It's like, geez, man, I, I you know, I got to do a job, I got to lead these people. Now you want me to learn all that stuff. I, you know, like, I don't have time. I don't have time. Right? And so the answer to it is this. You can go take as many leadership courses as you want. I, I encourage you to do so. Get as educated as you can. But until you understand emotion, until you develop emotional literacy, you're dead in the water as a leader. right? You're going to be strategy. You're going to be tactic. But you're never going to move people, particularly now after the great resignation. Right? People walked away from their jobs. And by the way, that's around, just think about this, that's around 30 million people in the United States walked away, right? The ones who couldn't walk away, what did they do? They did quiet quitting, which means I'll go to work, but I ain't doing anything, right? And by the way, the Great Resignation was not limited to the United States. It wasn't even limited to first world countries like the US or or Canada or Australia or the UK or any other first world country you can think of. It was global. There were people, there still are people in Vietnam, which in case you don't know, is not a democracy. In China, which in case you don't know, is not a democracy who went, you know what? I moved to the city, I'm done. I'm going back to the village because this is bullshit. I'm working 80, 100 hours a week. I'm exhausted and I'm doing it for what? The pandemic was why I re re um, labeled the pandemic as the great pause. It gave everybody a pause. It pushed us off the treadmill and made us go, why am I doing this? I forgot. Oh yeah. I want a bigger house so I can take care of my kids. Oh yeah. My kids don't see me. That's not right. Why am I doing this? I'm stuck. I have so many friends who left Manhattan And moved to the country and they're like, you know, I was living in a 600 square foot apartment with my two kids and a dog. What the hell was I doing? They've moved to the country. They bought a, a property with a bit of land that they could, the dog could run around. The kids could run around. They've got enough room and they built, they built an office in the house. Oh yeah. You could have done that before, but this is the problem, right? We get into these mindsets and we go, this is the way it is. No, it's not. Ask any of the major Fortune 100s, Fortune, let's even go Fortune 10, we'll bring it down simple and say, like, okay, you need to go remote in 21 days. Can you do it? They'd all go, no, absolutely not. We could not possibly do that. You did. That's exactly what you did. So, how many other limitations have you as the individual, and you as the organization, and you as the nation said, we can't do that? Bullshit. When you are hit with enough catastrophe, when you are hit with enough emergency, when you are hit with urgency, you can do amazing things. Human beings are magnificent at pulling together when we know we have to. But when we don't know we have to, we're magnificent at making excuses for being selfish. So we need a bloody pandemic, or we need Katrina, or we need some other nonsense to knock us off our, knock us off our pedestals. Instead of coming together, that's what we need to do. So everything you think of as we can't do that is not true because in an emergency, you can, do you have, I'm going to ask you a very personal question. Is that okay? Yeah. Do you have a hundred grand available to you today right now within the next hour? No, actually yeah. I'll give you three hours. Do you have three hours? Can you get it three, three hours? You You can give me 30 hours. I, I still won't get a hundred grand. <laughs> okay. So is your mother alive? No is your father alive? Barely <laughs> do, you, do you have any siblings? I do. okay you're close to one of them one of them yes. can I have that person's name? Tony Tony. so Enrique I got bad news for you. Tony's dying. he needs emergency surgery. it's going cost a, it's going cost hundred grand and you have to have the money within the, by tomorrow or he's going to die. What are you going to do? Oh,
0: you You're going get to do it. everything
1: you yeah, can get it. <laughs> to get that money. Right. But I just asked you two minutes ago, is it possible? You said no. The truth of the matter is, human beings are driven by pain. We're not driven by joy, we're driven by pain. Give us enough pain, we can do anything. The challenge is, is how to give yourself enough pain to do the thing rather than waiting for it to be put upon you, right? Dave Goggins, you're probably familiar with Dave. I don't agree with everything Dave says, but one of the things he says that's really important is you've got to install the pain. Stop running from it. I have to be careful there because I have an issue with some of Dave's stuff because I think he's running from pain, but that's my thought. But in the physical world, you know, he uses this example of you know, stop running from the pain, bring the pain on, use it as a fire to move you forward. Well, that's the truth in everything that we do. You know, how lazy are you at work? I'm not, I work hard. Really? Okay, let's find out. Oh, you're going bankrupt. How hard are you going to work now? Hell of a lot harder. Right? Your wife's about to leave you. Are you putting, you don't know that though. So are you trying in relationship? Oh yeah, I work really hard. I'm a good husband. Really? Okay. Now you find out your wife's leaving. You're going to try a bit harder. Hell yeah a lot harder. Well, what's the difference, mate? Pain. Pain is your friend. Get to know your pain. Your pain is subjective. It's yours. Get to know it. Love it. Understand that it's bringing you gifts. You don't have to cause pain. You have to recognize pain. So if you're an idiot like me, you have to wait till you fall off a mountain because that's what happened to me. But you don't have to wait to fall off a mountain. You can twist your ankle and go, oh, what if that's the signal? What's the pain I'm ignoring? That's a great and powerful question for you. What's the pain I'm ignoring that could move me into the next level of service, into the next level of making a difference in the world, into the next level of really stepping into the depth of my soul and
0: why I came here? That's a great question for all leaders to actually ask themselves right now. What is the pain you've been avoiding at your work site that could actually propel you to the next success level. And, 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 and you're talking about it. You know, I went through my own pain and I, and I have, you know, experienced it, lived it, cried by it and understand it. Uh, And that's why I mentioned truth right at the beginning, but there's a lot of leaders that can't even get to that point. Uh, I was going to ask you about what we're negating. I was going to ask you about, you know how can leaders um uh, create strong community yes but we can't create strong community if we don't even know ourselves <laughs> right. i
1: mean but again this is the this is part of the, the the misdirection so we've talked about you know we had this misdirection for almost 20 years and multiple billions like hundreds of billions spent on engagement why is engagement so terrible how can we bring engagement up you know, We bought the bloody foosball machines and the cappuccino machines and it didn't change anything. Well, it doesn't because that's, that's not an emotional connection. That's a gimmick. It doesn't work. So what we've got to do is we've got to confront what is the real pain that, that has people not feeling like they belong. They'll enjoy the novelty, but that doesn't make them feel like they belong. So what are we negating? We're negating that first, and this is important, first and foremost, every person who works for you is emotional. No matter who you are, no matter how much of a brainiac the person appears to be, we are emotional first. We don't like to admit that, but it's still the truth. It's who we are. It's what drives us as human beings. It is that. That's who we are. We're just emotional first. And the decisions that we make whether that is um, an apparently very rational decision or a very emotional decision doesn't make any difference. Human beings are emotional first. Emotions are wired into our neural net for every decision that we make. That's just who we are. If you want to be a better leader, you have to get to know, emotionally get to know, the people who surround you, and how do you do that? You find out what it is that drives them. What do you? How do you do that? Simple question. Here it is. Hey, Enrique, what matters most to you in life? Well, my family. Why? See, most leaders will—they'll go. Oh, I can ask that. Great. You know, what's the most important thing? Family. Okay. So I'll bring up family, and number am You're an idiot. Stop. What does family mean to you? Because if you ask me that and then you start asking me about my mom or my dad or my siblings, I'm like, ah, you know, they're okay. You ask me about my, my children, my grandchildren. You ask me about my, my my closest friends, you know, it's a different conversation. But if you say, you know, how's your brother? I don't know. He's a drug addict. How the hell would I know? Well, what about your other brother? I don't know. I am not to him in years. He's a wife-beating criminal. I don't have anything to do with him. He's an unhealthy individual for me to have in my life. Do you, don't you do you love him? Of course I love him. Absolutely I love him. I just don't want him in my life. There's a big difference between loving and being willing to have somebody in my life. I love all kinds of people I don't want in my life. I can love the soul of the person I think is incredibly deviant. Right? Um, I can say this now because he's gone. Not as in dead, but as in gone from power. You know... <clears throat> I can love the soul of George W. Bush. I wouldn't want him in my house. Um, I can love the soul of Dick Cheney. I sure as hell don't ever want to spend any time with him. Right? He might be Darth Vader. Um, (laughs) uh, But so you can love somebody or the essence of an an individual. And you can also have healthy boundaries around whether you want to be with them. And as leaders, that's what we got. We got to find out who the people are. And then we build our culture around boundaries, allowing people to fit in because boundaries are not walls, right? You know, there's a lot of talk about build the wall, you know, down south, build the wall. Okay, fine. But if you build a wall and it's not a boundary, you got a problem because people will want to tear down a wall. They want to climb over that wall. They'll smash that wall and you will be seen as cold. But if you build a boundary, a boundary is a way to come in, but you have to qualify. It's the same in my life. It's the same in my business. That's an important thing. What is? What is that? Let me see how you qualify for that. But not only that. It's not qualifying by you being like me. I don't care about you being like me. I'm talking about how can you add. So you go well. I'm a trans uh, transgender uh, uh, African South American. Great. What can I learn from you? Right. But if you go, but I want to come in, and I want to blow shit up. I'm like, oh, well, sorry, that's not going to work, right? But you want to come in and you want to discover about us and you want us to discover about you? Fantastic. Let's do that. Let's do that. Anything that broadens and deepens, I'm in for. Anything that narrows and shrinks, I'm not interested. No, thank you. That's why I don't like political correctness. It narrows and shrinks. Right? is like, you know, well, I've got to accept this. Bullshit. Why do I have to accept this? I might accept it, but I don't have to. So let's embrace people for why they're different. That gives them a sense of belonging. It's like, you know, oh, well, if you want to look at a cult, like if you've ever, I studied cult psychology, and I was fascinated by how, without doubt, some of the most intelligent people were members of cults. Lawyers and doctors and, you know, and you go, how? How? How is that possible? Because the cult leader said, I accept you. Oh, you're a gay lawyer? No problem. You're a transgender Christian? Okay. Why do I care? Right? That doesn't mean... So It's it can be used nefariously by a cult leader, of course. But it can be used for good. We need to build cultures of belonging where people feel like they can belong, whatever their colors, stripes beliefs whatever it is are in as in place it's not about attacking anybody on the inside or on the outside but bringing them in that's where we because it's emotional and therefore it's love and i know that's a swear word in leadership but it's love i don't work with anybody so everybody who works with me privately or as a company they have to qualify and they're always surprised well can't we send you the check nope why oh you have to qualify I have to qualify to pay you money? Yes. They're like, what? Yep. Because I want to find out if I can, f-, and I'll say this to them, I want to find out if I can fall in love with you. And they go, huh? I go, it's not romantic. It's not sexual. But it's if I can't care enough about you, why would I work with you? I'm not going to do you any service. I want to care deeply about you because then I will fight for you. I will be in your corner because I'm going to have your back the way nobody's had your back. I'm going to have your back when you turn your back on yourself. I'm going to kick you in the ass and fight for you because I love you. Even when you want to abandon your own, your own past. Oh, okay. Like we've got to love enough for that, that I'll fight for the things I don't believe are even right. You know, my wife and I have many discussions about how I will fight for the right of The radical right who I completely disagree with I will fight for the right for them to have speech I think Donald Trump should be back on Twitter and I don't like Donald Trump at all I don't agree with him as a human being some of his policies are okay but as a human no but I think he has the right to be on if this is the public yard he needs to be there to speak and so do the neo-nazis and so do everybody else should there be a warning saying this is hate speech sure okay because I need to know that. But I also, you know, I also want to give a voice to the woo-woo person who's telling me to stick a crystal up my ass in order for me to manifest the next thing that, you know, whatever it is, right? It's fine too. Because otherwise I'm insulting the intelligence of every human being. I can put warnings on if I own a platform. I can say, well, this is this or this is that, in our opinion, but please enjoy. This is the problem. We've got to get out of the bubble that social media has trained us to be, and we were already in it before because we're tribal, but social media has magnified it up to yin-yang. we got to come out of those bubbles and go, let me just reach across the aisle here, whatever that aisle is. Go out and meet some people. And let me just give you one more exercise to do with this, and that is this. Go out on the street, particularly now at Christmas. Find a homeless person and don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. And what do I mean by that? Look them in the eye. You want to give them something? Give them dignity. Look them in the eye. And don't say some shit like Merry Christmas because it's probably not very merry. Right? But just say to them, how are you? And if you get a shitty response, say thank you. And then offer them some money. But do it this way. If you're in your head, you're thinking, well, if I give them money, they'll spend it on drugs and they could die. Shut up. Don't say that. Don't even think that. Because once you give them the money, it's not yours, it's theirs. So when I give money to a homeless person, I always say I have one condition and they go, "What?" you know, and they roll their eyes and they think I'm going to say, get yourself a hot meal. You know, I'll stop doing drugs. You know, I'm not there to lecture them. What I say instead is do whatever you want with it. I have one condition, do whatever you want with it. And we go, what? Go, it's not my money anymore. It's yours. Do whatever you want with it. And then I'll sometimes say, and often say, can I sit and talk? And sometimes they're like, no. Okay. It's like, sure. So, you know, hey, I'm Dove. Who are you? Give humanity, give dignity. When you give dignity to another human being, everything changes. You don't know whose life you changed. You don't know whose life you might have even saved by doing that. Somebody's thinking the world is shit, right? It's, I'm freezing cold. It's Christmas. Nobody gives a crap about me. Spending all this money on crap they don't want. And meanwhile, I'm freezing my ass off sleeping out here in the cold. And you, they might go, wow, there's a decent human being in the world. Maybe there's more. You might have saved a life. Be a decent human being. And By being a decent human being, you become a decent leader. You can't lead others if you can't lead yourself. So remember that. And everything you do as a leader sets your culture because leadership is by example. If you're doing it, you're giving permission for it to be done. If you go, well, I'm the boss, it it matters. You think people aren't watching today? Are Are you on crack? Everybody's watching. Be a decent human being. There's nothing better. And then you will be a spectacular leader. And if you're a decent human being and you don't know, you can say, I don't know. Can you help me? And by the way, when you ask somebody for help, oxytocin, a neurochemical inside of their brain, fires
0: off and in yours and you begin a bond. It's very powerful. Now, that, that uh, sense of belonging is a huge driver you know you we you you span the gamut of you know folks that that are in cults but military mm-hmm. um organizations absolutely you know that sense of belonging is it's it's almost like a drug right we're we're always looking for it
1: and it when we don't get it is.
0: when we don't get it oh boy you're going to know you know you talked about quiet quitting there you go. Exactly. They really don't belong. They just need the paycheck. That's and it. so you supply that paycheck. And so I'll do whatever it is that I have to do to get it. But you're not going to get any more because I don't even feel like I'm desired here. No. And, and if anything leaders need to consider, cause you mentioned fierce loyalty, right? That, that, uh, that fierce yep. loyalty is, it, it kind of, I was like, man, It's loyalty. I know loyalty, right? You do this. I do that. I'm going to be there. You know, you call me, I'm going to be, but that word fierce. Yeah. That's like, like, you know, ride or die, uh, you know, type of, but that's what it is. Right.
1: I I will fight for you. It's, you know, I, as you know, I've spoken from uh, divisions of the military and it's this brothers in arms mentality, Right. I'm going to look after the person who is to my left and to my right. And the person on my left and my right are going to look after me. And the person behind me is watching my back, etc. We're doing all these things. Fierce loyalty is I will fight for you. That's why I said people have to qualify to work with me. I am fiercely loyal to them. To such a point that I'll tell them I will fire you. I will fire you if I am the only one fighting for you. I need you to be fiercely loyal to your soul. And that's not a religious thing. It's the essence of who you are. Your need to serve in the world. That is vital for us. So building that fierce loyalty means I know you give a shit about me. One of my friends has a company that in 2008, everybody got hit. We all know that, right? The Great Recession. And he said, I will. And he went to his team and he said, this is like 200 people. I will not fire anybody. But we all, including me, we all need to take a 30% cut, uh, pay cut. And he goes, and I know that's not going to be easy. He goes, I know it's going to be really, really hard, but I don't want to fire anybody. He goes, we're going to come through this. I don't know how long it will take. But if you can all take a 30% cut, he goes, and you can have, an, you know, you can work four days a week or whatever. I'm not asking you to, to, uh, to work crazy hours or anything. And he goes, but uh, you know, we need when we need to meet, and he set up meetings for how can we be more profitable and leaner, blah blah blah. He never lost a single person. His company today is worth three times, so three hundred percent growth since two thousand and eight. That was fierce loyalty, because he said, "I'm for you and with you, and there's something here. The company matters because it pays checks, but let you matter." I'm not going to let you go. And I've got somebody else who's doing that right now, who's, you know, there's talk about recession. One of my clients, and he said, you know, I don't know what to do. And I said, tell everybody, there is no recession. We are being told there could be one, and you're trying to be prophetic about it. And so we have to put a hiring freeze in place so we can't take on anybody new because we don't know what's coming around the corner. But let's start making some some cuts now in where we can because we want to take care of the people we have. And he's like, "Oh my God, why didn't I think about that? Because it, it's obvious. I understand the 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 elusive obvious. We need to be pay attention to that because you have to let your people know you actually care. I don't use the words, but you have to demonstrate we care about you. And so often that's not the case.
0: Yeah, and caring is where folks gravitate to. I it. will definitely be here." Even if it gets, you know, fire hot, we're going to, yeah. we're going to either, uh, come through this together or we're going to go down together. Either way, we're going to be together. And that, that, when, you know, when you mentioned fierce loyalty, I saw your, 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 book, um, it is what we ascribe to in the military, right? Yeah. You could be, uh, don't know this person from another person across the world, but they're wearing that uniform. And you're in a, in a, in a condition or an environment together that demands. You have to give your life if need be, and mm-hmm. we do it freely. Mm-hmm. And, and it's amazing how that, uh, how, how that works, uh, Dob, you know, there's leaders listening. They're looking at this 2023 looming here in another week. or So, uh, we're going to restart again. Uh, that proverbial yearly ritual of you know new goals and 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 new aspirations <laughs> and things uh-huh. like that um but after this conversation, you know there's a lot of soul searching if if it was uh to kind of give it a more layman there's soul searching about who you are um uh, before this thing even you know gets engaged um and there are leaders wondering, man, how do I do that? Yes, I agree with all that Dao has said, but how do I do that? I've been buried so deep in years of practice, years of customs, mm. years of uh imposed a lot of the things are imposed on of course, you. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: How, I, what would you tell that leader this now? Oh man, this is a real good content. This is a real good thing to talk about. That is at that point to to go down this role of discovery, because, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that need to do it. Right. So I would challenge you to be willing to question
1: every assumption you have about your business, about your team, about your people. Um, If you've read anything about me and you know anything about my background, you know that I traveled the world just to study metaphysical studies, to study religious philosophy around the world. And people ask me often, what's your religion? That's my religion. It's right over my shoulder. Curiosity. So the thing you can do first and foremost is to stay curious. Become curious about getting input and insight from people you don't think would have any. Get curious about the beliefs you have about the things you're certain about. You know, one of the things that I will say to my clients is, what do you know for sure and they'll tell me, and I go, where do you need to be more curious about that? Because even in stating, I know this, you've, th- th- it's very easy for the mind to then shut down and not learn. So become deeply, deeply curious. Get your teams together. Work together in pockets of, if, depending on the size of your company, but pockets of no more than 12 in a large organization and in a smaller organization, three to five, and break up the clicks right? Because people will naturally go towards their own click. And then just keep plucking people out and rotating and go. And and you only deal with one problem at a time. This is the problem. How do we deal with it? We're going to go into our groups of three or five or 12 or whatever it might be. And you're going to have one minute each to discuss the problem, what you believe is the problem. Okay, good. Go through that. Now we come back. What was the key points? Write them on the board for your group. These are the key points. Great. What is the solutions? Everybody gets one minute to come up with a solution that is uniquely way a unique way of doing it. So you do that. Okay. Now, what in our company seems to repress or deny or push away that solution? So now we're looking at okay, what's intrinsic in the company that's that's causing the problem. Because we think of the problem as always being external. problems always internal. Like we, you and I talked about right at the very beginning of this interview. There's only ever one problem in the company. Leadership. So let's deal with that. Okay. By staying curious, you will transform your organization. You will transform your culture. And you will transform your leadership. And you may even transform yourself. So stay curious, my friends. Stay curious.
0: I see that in a commercial somewhere. <laughs> Dob, you need to make it. <laughs> it's everywhere. Everywhere you see Dob, it always signs
1: off with "Stay curious, my friends. Stay curious."
0: That's right, uh, uh, folks. You know, I, I I'm like uh, I'm reminded of of Neo and Morpheus and that whole red and blue pill, <laughs> um, the thing. You know, you you could you could stay the same, right, and and carry on to 23. 33 Mm -hmm. (laughs) to 43, Mm -hmm. or you can take the pill that shows you how deep this rabbit hole can really go and, and become better. You know, I I mentioned the Navy and and it's sending me around, around the world made me better. Mm -hmm. Some of those environments were not comfortable, but I was able to see the world in action and it was not my world. And I, I was able to see the good in all of that. So, uh, Dov, thank you so much for all that you've shared. If someone wants to get a hold of you, I see your website there on on, on your side. But mm-hmm. uh, if there's a better way uh, for them to communicate or areas or platforms that you want to drive them to uh, uh, share that. Well,
1: thank you, Enrique. I appreciate it. Um, as you can see over my shoulder, if you are watching this and you're not just listening to the podcast, it's DovBaron.com. That's D-O-V dot com. you'll find most of my things there but if you can also look up dove baron leadership on youtube there's over a thousand videos there i have two podcasts one is called leadership and loyalty the other one is called curiosity bites you can look up both of those um they go in range from basic leadership right through to neuroscience um to military leaders generals commanders etc um and even political leaders, and even uh, rock stars, we've all we've had them all on those shows. So you can go to those places. I also have an outlet on medium. So if you go to the medium, and you look for the curious leader, we have an outlet there with all of our articles and some guest uh, writers who go on there too. And of course, I'm on all the usual platforms, you can certainly find me on LinkedIn, um, face uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Instagram, etc. So I'm there, too. Really, it's not difficult to find Dov Barron. Just put that name into Google. You'll come up with stuff. And here's the crazy thing. Please, please tell me what you got out of the show. So what do I mean by that? Listen, Enrique puts this show together. He has this special at the end of the year. I know you probably don't know how much work and effort it takes to put a podcast together. But it takes a bloody lot. I have two of them, and I know. And it's kind of a one-way street. We kind of don't really know what you got out of it. So here's what I'd like you to do. Go to wherever you listen to this podcast, rate, review, and subscribe to it. That helps Enrique and lets him know. When you put an endorsement in there, a a testimonial, it lets him know what you got out of it. And you can write to him and you can write to me. I know, I'm insane. Here's my private email address. Dov, D-O-V, at DovBaron.com. Easy to remember. DovBaron.com. Write to me and tell me what you got out of this show. Write to Enrique, tell him what you got out of the show. And write to Enrique and tell him what you get out of show is the show as generality. This is an abundant universe. We might be going to a recession, but there's more than enough for everybody. Share the knowledge. Don't hoard it. It won't make you better. Share the knowledge. If there's something that hit you, share it. Pull out sections. Write the sections down. Write notes. Share them. Put them on Twitter. Share them out. You know, heard this. Enrique was talking about this, and he said that. Fantastic. Put it in and give him credit. The men works hard to bring you really great guests. Recognize that, validate that, and be generous with it, please. I'm Dov Barron. You can find out more
0: about me at dovbaron.com. Stay curious, my friends. Stay curious. Well, Dov, thank you so much for sharing that. And, folks, we're going to have all those links attached to the video, attached to the show notes. You'll be able to click on it and go directly there. Uh, I am truly blessed to have Dov with me this to end this year, it is it. This is it. The season three finale. We are looking forward to seeing you in 23. We've already have the whole 23 booked and ready. Uh, so I'm fortunate to have that uh, happen for me, Dob. Thank you so much. Uh, folks, today's episode is sponsored by Triad Leadership Solutions and Superpass, which are powering our website and app. If you've enjoyed this episode and learned something interesting about the topic covered today, make sure to subscribe as Dov has so graciously endorsed and let us know by leaving a comment right now. And we're always looking for new ideas and guests that we can add to our show. So if you know of someone or have a topic that you would like featured on the podcast or want to sponsor our show, we love to hear about it by emailing us at triadleadershipsolutions at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next year for another episode where we dissect leadership from another angle. And as we love to end the show, success to you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Triad Leadership Solutions and on Twitter at TLS underscore FL. Thanks again. I'll see you next week and success to you.